Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. My family and I have been attending Beacon for a few years, and we love how the pastors reason through the scriptures every Sunday. We love the fellowship, the kids' classes, the singing, and oh, the cafe is great. So if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to meet you. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30, or 12 noon. We're located at 65 East Williston Avenue in East Williston, New York. For more information, visit us at visitbeacon.com. See you soon. I'm Robert Kelly, one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, we have been working our way through the New City Catechism, which is our annual reading plan. And each week, we just pick up one of the topics from that week that uh, many of us are participating in, and we teach about that on the Sunday morning. And uh, we're continuing in that uh, as well for this morning. So I enjoy the old advertising, you know, the kind of like the old ads for things, and you, that now we look at them and we go, what were they thinking? You know, and then, because I, I think to myself, what, what, is, what are we doing today that in like 30 years they're going to say, what were they thinking? You know, it just makes me kind of stop and, and wonder. So here's, here, here's a great one, comparing the health benefits of sugar to an apple. It's clearly better to have the sugar. So you've got that little sweet craving. Don't grab an apple. Just take three tablespoons teaspoons of sugar. That's a better way to go. Or uh, this one here, which is to tell you how wholesome the hamburger is. It's not just fast. It's wholesome. I and mean, that's, that's saying something right there. Don't, that home-cooked stuff, don't even think about that. that You've got to go for the wholesome hamburger at McDonald's. Or, of course, you could go for the healthy cigarettes. There's more doctors smoke camels. And it makes sense because there's so much research behind that. You could see in the next ad, 10 months of scientific evidence supporting this fantastic habit. Um, so, or, of course, this health food before, health drink before, like, vitamin water. You know, for root beer, which is... You should definitely see this. It's, you know, you look at these things and you go, come on, you guys, you really didn't believe that back then, did you? Like, I mean, don't we know that those were really all just lies, right? Like, didn't, you knew it back then. We know it now. Like, we're, we're still doing the same thing. We're still lying about our advertising because, of course, lies are the language of marketers. We just have grown to expect it. It's also the language of politicians. We know that from this last round of of politics going on. It's also the language of lawyers and now bankers. Entire sports leagues. No, no, no. We had no research about the negative effects on the brain for when you slam your head against another human being at that rate. We've had no research whatsoever. In fact, I'm not really sure there is any even now. Doctors have been increasingly caught lying. Clergy, of course, have always been in the mix. And of course, just about everyone else. Lying. An epidemic of lying in our country. Even animals lie. I had a whole stack of articles about birds that deceive other birds and other animals. Even dogs have been shown to use deceit. It was heartbreaking, but they needed to do it. it they, there was a good reason behind it. And so, you know, my favorite story, though, was Coco. 
Coco the gorilla. He's famous because Coco is the sign language gorilla. They've taught this gorilla a thousand different words that he can use to string different sayings together and even use them to name things. Like one of the, the other thing he's known for is he loves kins. And so he actually named a kitten, stringing together a couple of other words. I mean, it's a fascinating thing. It's really incredible because usually animals just, they'd have to deceive us, but they don't have language that they can use to lie. And so one day, Coco's handlers went into his enclosure and they found that a sink had been violently ripped out of the wall. So the handlers came in and they said, they asked Coco, you know, Coco, what, what, what happened to the sink? And he said, the, the cat did it. <laughs> Coco blamed the cat. The cat you gave me ripped the sink out of the wall, which is so fascinating, of course. Now, most of us are actually opposed to lying, right? I mean, we, very few of us would say we are hoping people lie to us. We would actually be offended if we thought that people were lying to us. People aren't supposed to lie to us. A, uh, an Associated Press poll started asking a whole series of circumstance situations that people would say, you know, do you agree with lying or do you not agree with lying? And uh, most people agreed that it was wrong to lie most of the time, which is, of course, what we would expect. So a show of hands, how many of you think that you should not lie on your taxes? You should not lie on your taxes. 93% of the population is on the survey, which looks to be about the same in here. How many of you say it is wrong to lie on your resume? Wrong to lie. Yep, about 80% of the U.S. population said uh, it's wrong. So, of course, that means you should check those resumes of the 20% carefully. How many of you would say it is wrong to lie about an affair? having cheated on your spouse. Yeah, most of Americans would say, about 90% say it's wrong to lie. Now, for the following, about 60% of the US population agreed. How many say it's wrong to lie about your age? <laughs> most of the men um, say it's wrong to lie, all right. How about lying to your kids about your past misdeeds? It's wrong to lie to your kids about your past misdeeds. So kids, look to your parents right now, and you can see whether or not they've lied to you, unless, of course, they're lying right now. Um, how about exaggerating the facts of a story? How many think it's wrong to lie by exaggerating the facts of a story? Oh, not quite as convinced there on that one, huh? How about being sick to get a day off of work? Lying about being sick is wrong to get a day off of work. Yeah, a lot of you are like, yeah, I actually did that. This is just... All right. 52% of people said it is never justified. It's never, you can never have a reason to lie. And uh, how about this one? How many of you would say... It is okay to lie, all right, so I switched it there. It's okay to lie in order to not hurt someone's feelings. Mmm, yeah, you see? This is the most, because 65% of people said it is okay. So do I look fat in this dress? How many would lie about that? Do you like my big ziti? How many of us would lie about that? 
see a lot of folks. I mean, because of course we're just trying to, we're trying not to hurt their feelings. How many of you think you should lie about who you voted for? <laughs> now, how many of you would say that you have not lied in the past week? 79% of the U.S. population said they have not lied in the last week. And it looks like... <laughs> so, a few of you are willing to go out on a limb here and say it? All right. How many of you say you've lied already during this survey? Just... So, what is a lie? Using words to intentionally mislead others. That's a lie. Using your words to intentionally mislead others. People lie so that others will form beliefs that are not true. So if you are, now, this is the kicker about lying, is you could actually tell the truth in order to lie. If you are using your words in such a way as to get someone to think about reality that is not true, then you have lied to them. So, for instance, an example I read in one of the books is somebody said that you could stand out in front of the White House and you could call Facebook and say, hi, I'm calling from the White House for Mark Zuckerberg. Can you put him through, please? And you would be telling the truth. You'd be calling from the White House, from out front in the gate of the White House. Well, of course, you'd be using truth to try to lie. But the point is you're, you're using your words to create a false perception. It's also true to say that even if you think it's true, and you've, and you've given them a true representation of what you think is true, even if you were wrong, that's not a lie. Because, of course, you actually did think it was true. And so you might be mistaken, and you might be giving someone information that is wrong, but that's not a lie. It's a lie when you are helping them form and encouraging them to form opinions, ideas, thoughts that are not representative of what you believe is reality. You're using your words to help them form beliefs that are not true. All the other vices, by the way, are supported by lies. Everything else we do is shielded, protected, and buttressed by lies. I'd read a, a, one author who said that lies, of course, can be very exhausting because they have to continually be protected from collisions with reality. And they can become very, very hard for us to maintain. They hurt when we lie to each other. They hurt human relationships and trust. Look at uh, Psalm 34.12, and you get an idea of what this looks like. Psalm 34.12. The psalmist is trying to capture for us an element of truth-telling that I think is going to be key for us if we're going to sort of get at the root of why we lie in ways that we can do better in it. Psalm 34:12. he said, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Now, it's one thing to just say, don't tell lies, and we'll look at some other verses that say that, but whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, you see what he's talking about here is 
the pathway to human flourishing. We'll talk about it more, but the idea here is if you want to love life and if you want to really delight in life, if you want to have a great many good days, then you won't lie. You'll tell the truth. This is what the scriptures tell us over and over again. In fact, this is hardly an isolated example. All over the Bible, we are told not to lie. For instance, in Leviticus 19, do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. He opens it up to a whole lot of ways that we lie. Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Wait, so you're telling me God hates things? Yes, he hates things. He detests lies. Strong words. Powerful conviction from the Almighty. And it's because lying is a reflection of the enemy of God. Look what John 8 says. Jesus speaking here. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You want to speak the language of Satan? Then lie. And God takes it very seriously. In Acts chapter 5, Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? You know how this whole story ends? If you remember the, your Bible story, Ananias is struck down dead because he lied. And then his wife comes in and they pose a question to her. Hey, is this what happened? And she goes, yep, yep. She lies with her husband and she's struck down dead. Two people struck down dead because they lied. So what are Christians supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to stop lying. Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Colossians 3. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices. It's the old man. It's not the new way. As followers of Christ, we're not supposed to lie. Seems simple enough, but in God's kingdom, the currency of human flourishing is truth-telling. So it's pretty amazing. We don't like lying. We don't want to be lied to. We think there are very few circumstances in which people should lie. The Bible says don't lie over and over and over again, and yet everybody lies. Everybody lies. Just how bad is it? UMass did a study. 60% of, adult, of adults can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. Now, I know what you're thinking because they thought it the same thing. You're thinking, well, I'm in the 40%. The rest of those people are the liars. They played the video back of these conversations to the, the group, and the 60% all thought they were in the 40%. <laughs> they saw themselves lying, and they're like, oops, oh, ow, wow, oh, yeah, that wasn't quite truthful. They were confronted with the reality of it. And they figured out, wow, there's a lot more lying going on. Here's a TED Talk from Pamela Meyer about the same topic. Lying is an attempt to bridge that gap, to connect our wishes and our fantasies about who we wish we were, how we wish we could be, with what we're really like. And boy, are we willing to fill in those gaps in our lives with lies. On a given day, studies show that you may be lied to anywhere from 10 to 200 times. Now, granted, many of those are white lies. But in another study, it showed that strangers lied three times 
within the first 10 minutes of meeting each other. <laughs> now, when we first hear this data, we recoil. We can't believe how prevalent lying is. We're essentially against lying. But if you look more closely, the plot actually thickens. We lie more to strangers than we lie to coworkers. Extroverts lie more than introverts. Men lie eight times more about themselves than they do other people. Women lie more to protect other people. If you're in an average married couple, you're gonna lie to your spouse in one out of every 10 interactions. Now you may think that's bad. If you're unmarried, that number drops to three. Lying's complex. It's woven into the fabric of our daily and our business lives. We're deeply ambivalent about the truth. We parse it out on an as-needed basis, sometimes for very, very good reasons, and other times just because we don't understand the gaps in our lives. That's truth number two about lying. We're against lying, but we're covertly for it in ways that our society has sanctioned for centuries and centuries and centuries. It's as old as breathing. It's part of our culture. It's part of our history. Think Dante, Shakespeare, the Bible, news of the world. It starts really, really early. How early? Well, babies will fake a cry, pause, wait to see who's coming, and then go right back to crying. One-year-olds learn concealment. Two-year-olds bluff. Five-year-olds lie outright. They manipulate via flattery. Nine-year-olds, masters of the cover-up. By the time you enter college, you're going to lie to your mom in one out of every five interactions. By the time we enter this work world, and we're breadwinners, we enter a world that is just cluttered with spam, fake digital friends, partisan media, ingenious identity thieves, world-class Ponzi schemers, a deception epidemic. A deception epidemic. They say that most everyone will lie at least one, two, or three times a day. That's what researchers tell us. So, Turn, I want, I want you to get that, get that pointy finger up. Go ahead and get the pointy judgmental finger up. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, good morning, you, sir, are a liar. Go ahead, get that finger up and let them hear it. They need to hear it from someone. Turn to the person next to you and say, good morning, you, ma'am, are a liar. So this week, as part of the preparation for this message, the pastors at Beacon decided to keep track and see whether or not we lie, because of course we pride ourselves in our honesty, our truth-telling, and how forthright and direct we are, and that held mostly true. But we were able to identify at least a series of small lies and Lies that we caught that we might have told if we weren't trying to log ourselves and confess them to each other this week. And many of those were lies that we were telling in order to avoid some sort of discomfort on our part. So you can take that little pointy finger and you can point it right back at me or you can point it there. Let's point it at Trevor instead. And just say, you, sir, and you, sir, and of course, you all are, in fact, Liars. Now, we lie for a whole host of reasons, and if we want to get better at this, if we want to, to reflect the image of Christ and be truth-tellers, then we've got to get down to the basic causes of why it is that we lie. And of course, we lie because of fear, like Abraham, 
Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife. Peter lied about knowing Jesus so he wouldn't be persecuted. We lie to avoid embarrassment. We're fearful of what might happen or to disguise our wrongdoing. We're fearful that we'll be discovered for what we've already done in the past. We also lie for self-aggrandizement. This, this is what actually took place in the Ananias and Sapphira story. So Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of property. They didn't have to do anything with it. They could have just kept it, Peter said. They decided they were going to sell it, take the money, and give it to the church. That's very nice, very kind. They didn't have to do it. Nobody was forcing them to do it. And once they sold it, they could have kept any portion of the money for themselves and taken the other portion and given it. It was all theirs to do with what they wanted. But instead, they decided to take the whole portion, split it up, take a, a bit of the money for themselves and give a bit of the money to the church, but tell the church that they were giving them the full amount of the money. Why? You have nothing to gain. Oh, wait, you do. Status in the community. So people would say, oh, look how amazingly generous Ananias and Sapphira are. That's why they were struck down dead. They needed to do nothing but because they wanted to impress others. Their personal gain, we will often lie. We lie for convenience. This was certainly the case that we saw this week that uh, we would uh, tell a, uh, what we would think of as a white lie in order to escape an awkward situation or to speed up a conversation, get to the end of it faster so that we could just not deal with whatever was happening or unfolding in front of us, get out of talking with someone, or not necessarily because of fear, but because of more self-centeredness. Because I want to just, you know, for my own convenience or to protect our interests, we lie. And very often, to help others, to actually protect them, to spare their feelings. So we lie. Now, I want to go after this a little bit because I think that this might be one of the root causes of why we lie. We lie to create a reality in which human flourishing will thrive. Now, just... just Think about this. Think, kind of stay with me here. If we, we lie because we want to create a reality we think is conducive to human flourishing, think shalom, the peace that we want. We think that in this moment, in this circumstance, in this interaction, that if I take you and I put a little bubble around you that is a reality of my own creating, Humanity will thrive in some way. Humans will flourish. Peace will reign. Either yours or mine or likely both. So, you know, you have got a very big gig at work. You're supposed to be on board. You're supposed to be at this meeting. It's a huge client. If you blow this, you're, it's pretty, you're pretty sure you're going to lose your job. And you blow it. You were out partying with friends out of town the night before. You got up too late. You were unprepared. You came in late. You butchered the, the presentation, and you lost the, you lost the client. Now you've come up with a story to tell your boss as to what actually happened. You're creating a reality around them so that everywhere they look, they don't see true reality. They see your reality, the lies that you've created. 
and, and you justify this and you tell them, well, it's okay because if they, if they see this reality, it's better for me. I will flourish with this job. My children will flourish because they need money for their college education. My dog will flourish because he likes his biscuits. Like, I, this, I can't lose this job. In fact, my boss, though they don't see it, I'm actually a really good employee. And even though I screwed this up, if they fired me, it would, be a, it would be a big mistake for them and for the company. The company will flourish if I stay. Did you know I'm the only Christian in this whole division? If, what if the light of Christ was snuffed out? We can't, we can't risk that happening. The flourishing of humanity has to be preeminent. And so what we do is we take authority, we take control of this world, and we believe that by creating this new reality... We're creating an environment that is conducive to human flourishing. See, God is truth. His nature is true. And he is committed to human flourishing. That's what we saw in Psalm 34. Whoever loves life and desires to see many good days. And we say, yes, that's what we want. We want, we want to love life and we want to see many good days for us and for you and for everyone. So we're going to create lies in order to make sure that happens. And God says, but truth is how that happens. And we say, no, 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 no. Our reality is better than your reality. And I, now you can start to see why there's power in this. Because it sounds all very positive. There's this, there's this motivation we have. It's not simply self-centered. It's for the good of everyone, we think. And I think this is why lying can have so much power over us. But in effect, what we've done is we've usurped God's role as the creator. We've said, we want to be little mini creators. We want to be little mini gods who get to shape and form reality after our image, not after the true image that God has in it. And we also are saying that we actually have more wisdom than God. God says, honesty is the way I'm supposed to go with this. But the affair was so many years ago. I cheated on her back in my foolish days. It was 30 years, and now that we're talking about it again, clearly I would do nothing but bring pain and heartache to this whole situation. So I, I have to lie to cover up that past indiscretion. God says that the way forward is through honesty. And we say, no, human flourishing would suffer under God's wisdom. Under my wisdom, human flourishing thrives. You see, we're saying we, we're, we're wiser than God at this point. We're saying we want to be the creators. We're wiser than what God would say. In fact, we're really saying we care more about people and their feelings than God does. That's right. We're, we care more about how they're going to be hurt or how they're going to view us or how that's going to impact them in the future. We care more about them and we know what's right for them better than what God does. I think this is why we've got to rip these lies out and we need to replace them with honesty. And the first thing we're going to have to do is admit that we are liars. We're going to have to admit it. And so here's your challenge for the week. Your challenge is to actually be thinking about every occurrence where you lie or you are tempted to lie. Even write it down. That's what we did this week is we just wrote it down. I had a little task in my phone about lies that I'm telling. Then anytime I felt like I was about to lie or I wanted to lie, I would just jot it down and say, what? and I'm trying to see what's the motivation here? What caused me to do this? Because the lies are, of course, just the symptom 
Unless you're pathological, totally different thing we should talk later. But if, it's, if you're not pathological, that's a different thing. If, if this is just, there are symptoms of something that's going on, of an idolatry that's in our heart, of some sort of control that we want in the world, some sort of lie. But of course, Jesus is saying he is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And we're saying, no, 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 I'm the truth. I'm the way. I'm the life. See, there's an idolatry in this. And the gospel tells us that it's actually the Jesus way not our way. So write them down. Mark them out. You can tell me if you want to. You can tell me the kind of things you're learning about. That'd be fun to hear. Um, but you don't have to as well. Just as an exercise this week, take every day and try to write these things out. Now, as you're doing this, you're going to want to be really careful to identify because lies show up in such a multitude of different ways. And you're really going to want to be sensitive and pray that the Spirit will reveal it. You know, a there's a, a woman, she went to a hotel, uh, she had a party out of town. She brought her da daughter to this party, she was staying at a hotel, and she realized she had to get a gift for the party, but she was running kind of late, and so she uh, notices that all of the soaps and the toiletries that they have there are really super nice and high-end. So she scoops up a whole bunch of them, and she puts them in a gift bag. She give them, she's going to give it to her friend as the gift. She, her friend opens it, and her friend loves them. They're just her style, she thinks they're fantastic, it's so sweet, and she says, so where did you get them? The lady says, well, I got him at the hotel gift shop. <laughs> to which her daughter says, no, you didn't, mommy. You picked them up from the sink. <laughs> so imagine you've got some honest little eyes with you all week long, just waiting to out you in the most embarrassing possible way. And look for the areas where you omit things, where you don't tell a whole story in order to mislead, or maybe where, where you manipulate a story to get to an endpoint that doesn't reflect reality. You kind of guide the, the conversation, you direct it in that way, or a flat-out denial that you make, or where you minimize a situation. No, 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 it's not as bad. No, it will we'll deliver in time. Don't you worry. We're minimizing the truth of a situation, or we exaggerate something that we've done, some success, or some or our experience, or... You know, we're telling some terrible story in order to justify why we screwed something up, even though it wasn't really a terrible story. You know, look for lies that we tell to make others feel better, or when we laugh at a joke that wasn't funny. These kinds of things. Look for those sorts of examples and see what it is that's drawing us into it. And then look for the role reversals kind of a thing, meaning ask yourself in these situations, is that how I want people to treat me? Is that what I want to hear? If I'm, if I'm in this same circumstance, how would I want people to act? And sometimes that can give us a sense as to where it is. So then you do that. You identify, you admit it, you identify it, and then you repent. And you're not just repenting from the lies. You, you are doing that. In fact, you're repenting from the lies and you're confessing your lies to those that you lied to. It's a great cathartic and humiliating moment. And so you can do it, and it's great for your spiritual development, and it really is, because you get to be seen for who you really are. And as Christians, that's good, because we're still loved by Christ. We're still accepted by him. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. It's liberating, and it's freeing for us, and it might give us the motivation we need to not lie as much in the future. So you repent, you confess, you tell of your lie, but you're also repenting of the deeper idols. You're repenting 
that you actually are saying that you don't trust in God's goodness. God, I don't trust in your wisdom. I don't trust that your way is the better way, and I want to. I want to be the kind of a man, I want to be the kind of a woman who actually does take you at your word and doesn't create these false realities and these false idols and think that I'm wiser than you or that I care more about people than you care about people. I repent of all of these kinds of things. And then, of course, we tell the truth. You can imagine what it would be like in a world and a society that is so laced with lying. Imagine what a breath of fresh air it would be to have a community of people who are truth-tellers, who can be trusted, whose word is what they say, and who accurately try to represent reality for people. Imagine the kind of safe places that we can create for people and the hope that honesty could breathe into their lives and into our own as well. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're asking that you would help us, Lord, to admit the many ways that we create a false world around ourselves and around others. Lord, very often we lie to ourselves more than we lie to anyone else. Father, we don't want to live this kind of way. We trust you and your word that honesty really is the way of Christ, that you really are the truth and that we, we are your children and we want to be truth tellers. Lord, it's so difficult. And so quickly, as soon as we begin, we see our failures in it. And Lord, I'm asking that, that your grace and your forgiveness would cause us to be drawn near to you, not to recoil from you. I pray that people would stop hiding, Lord, that we all would stop hiding from you, lying to you, lying about ourselves. And Lord, that we would be the kinds of people that could genuinely be trusted. That people's lives and their hearts, their habits, that they're in good hands with us because we, like Christ, know what it means to tell the truth. Help us, Lord, to repent, to have the humility to do so, the courage to repent and confess so that we might be ever more transformed into the image of Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.